Good morning. Welcome to the Mr. Irrelevant Podcast. It's the best DC sports podcast that you're listening to right now. It is Friday, July 7th. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram. We're 10 days out from the Redskins having to sign Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal, or not. Uh, here to talk about that, among other things, is a longtime friend of the site, first-time guest on the pod, Matt Turrell. Matt, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I, do I get to be a long-time listener? I know the pod hasn't been running for a long time, but I've been listening to it like the whole time. I feel like you're, you're a, an avid listener of the Mr. Relevant podcast, and I appreciate that. Um, let's That's give a the, safe characterization. Let's give the listener uh, a little bit of context. You're currently the uh, sports columnist for the Washington City Paper. Is that correct? I, I am, which is a reversal from the previous job of note, which is, I assume, where you're going next. Well, yeah, and then you go back in time. You were the, the official blogger of the Washington Redskins. Was that, was that the kind of commonly held title? That was the commonly held title. Do you realize that it has been six years since then? Wow. I did not realize that. Um, We're old. Their, their loss. And that was, that was actually that was kind of a big deal. That, I mean, not just for you personally, but I mean, like in the industry, that was, I think you became the official blogger at a point in time where that was, that was like a strange thing to be. Like, I don't know that any other teams had like full-time on staff team bloggers. That was what they claimed. I think they always sort of uh, overstated that a little bit. But yeah, no, no, the Redskins Redskins overstated something. Unheard of. And it's possible that not only did they overstate it, but they might have misrepresented some facts about who and had not done things uh, prior to them. But yeah, no, they made it a big deal. And they were determined to make it like a thing. They they looked up to, you know, you guys and and Dan Steinberg Mm -hmm. and and whoever was out there and they hated uh, Jason Lockanfora as a blogger. And so they wanted someone, you know, that they could love or hate of their own. Right. Um, yeah. And um, did they ever issue a press release about how like the, the blog got 8 billion page views or like impressions or anything like that? Any kind of overstated metrics? No. Overstated in my metrics, they did issue a press release when I started, which was bizarre because there was nothing to press release about. Uh, but I was able to avoid metrics. I give them a lot of credit for that. I never once heard like, "Why aren't you getting more clicks? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you getting more page views? Why are you writing this dumb crap about hamburgers or whatever?" Like, uh-huh. they, I, I do give them credit for that. So no, I, I, they, they missed an opportunity. Did they ever anonymously source um, a story about you in the Washington Post about how you were drinking in the workplace and it was really affecting your performance? No, they did not do that, although they, they wouldn't have to, uh, to fabricate much, uh, which I wrote about when that <laughs> happened over in the same paper. Right. I certainly, it, it's a drinking place. Everybody's drinking in the workplace. It's a culture. Uh, and before the Redskins blog, going all the way back, you had your own, like an indie skins blog. I think it was called the internet is for Zorn. Is that correct? You are, you are correct. And it was, uh, really terrible. It had like eight, maybe nine on the days where I would email you a link to try to convince you that I was somehow relevant to something in the world. Um, but yeah, well, I did. It was a long time ago. Those were the days, man. So, uh, I'm sure listeners are fascinated about our longstanding relationship. Uh, but let's fast, let's fast forward to the present. We were G-chatting earlier this week, and I can't remember what prompted this, but you were you said something along the lines of that you are certain the Redskins are going to get this long-term deal done with Cousins. Uh, the deadline for that, by the way, July 17th, 
10 days away. I don't think it's strange that a deal hasn't gotten done yet. I mean, deadlines tend to force these actions into, into, you know, action if they're going to happen. But I don't, I don't agree with you. And we didn't really get into the reasons of why either one of us thinks the way we do. So I want to hear like, what, why do you feel that this is going to get done? Well, so here's why I think it's going to get done. Uh, there's maybe two or three reasons, but to do that, I think we first, uh, the main reason I think it would not get done is that I don't believe that Kirk Cousins totally wants to be here. You know, we've all sort of heard that uh-huh. uh, rumor, that idea, uh, he feels disrespected, etc. I also think that, uh, that, that the proof for that for me is when Bruce Allen comes out and says, oh, we could use the franchise tag next year. That makes it pretty clear that like, it's a threat. I mean, you don't, you don't say that if you're not threatening somebody. So I'm willing to take it as read that Kirk does not want to be here. I think the team cannot let him leave. And so it's just a question of making the numbers work to get him to stay. And I think you can do that. But when the threat is, we're going to pay you $34 million next year as a third year franchise tag quarterback, that's Mm -hmm. not, that's not much of a threat. Well, the threat is that you may not be able to leave at all. Right. If, if, if what you want to do we is... We'll keep you leave. here until 2019 uh, right. if we have to, or 2018, whatever it is. Right. So there's an element of this where what they're simply saying is, look, you can take our money this year, you can take our money next year, one way or the other, but neither mm-hmm. way are you leaving, okay? Well, so if, if we take that as their starting point, mm-hmm. I think a deal has to get done. Right. Well, and I guess... I don't think, I mean, like, I'm not a capologist, but I don't, clearly, but I don't think the Redskins paying him $34 million next year on the franchise tag is much of an option. And even if it were, that's still just one more year. You know, like, oh. I, I just don't think that ha- that's, there's much leverage in that. Well, the leverage is that then when you go ahead and you make your offer, it's not him weighing like, well, you know, if I can tough it out one more year, I get mm-hmm. to be with Kyle Shanahan again in San mm-hmm. Francisco. It's him like, well, I have another year. And then the, the, the risk of another year is the same as the risk of this year is right. the risk of an injury, the risk of decreased performance, uh-huh. the risk of somebody in San Francisco turning out to be a really good quarterback. Because uh, San Francisco can't keep waiting indefinitely either. Right. If we believe he wants to be with his old pals, uh, either they were in LA, then uh, he needs them to need a quarterback. So there, there are a lot of factors in place. Stalling does do the Redskins some good. Yeah, I feel like Cousins has, if he waits a year, he has options. You know, if he waits a year, assuming he doesn't have to suffer like a career, you know, ending injury or some, you know, significant performance setback, he has options either to be here potentially or to go, you know, play with ex-coaches in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan or L.A., Sean McVay. Really, the only risk he's running is is that is is really the injury risk because the the two years in a row that he's had have been so uh, not necessarily consistent because he has his ups and his downs, but you you know if you if you average it over the season, he's about as sure a bet as you're going to have that's not you know in that in that top tier of quarterbacks. I just feel like there's there's un, if he has any inkling that he doesn't want to be here, why not just wait another year? Well, so then that's the next step. You, we, we've, we've figured out how you can threaten. The next step is you have to figure out how you incentivize. And mm-hmm. I think you can structure a deal um, that incentivizes him to stay and not only incentivizes him, but 
incentivizes his agent to stay because all mm-hmm. the agent is going to care about is that the numbers look bigger than Derek Carr's numbers, that you can hit a few, you know, round numbers on things. Oh, uh, you know, 75 million guaranteed, 107 million over the life of the contract. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. any numbers like that that they can leak out there makes the agent look good and then makes the agent encourage um, uh, Kirk to take the deal. And I, you know, it's, it seems to me that all of this lays it out so that the, the framework of a deal is obvious. Okay. We know he essentially, if we assume they would franchise him next year, we know they've already franchised him this year. That means you know you need to guarantee starting at 59 million because that's mm-hmm. what he would make this year and next year if you do the tag thing, Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to have to sweeten it past that. So you're going to, you know, guarantee probably, I don't know. I think the version that I have has him guaranteed something like a hundred million. But essentially what it's going to come down to is if the team is willing to take the risk of guaranteeing probably three years of his contract, fully guaranteed against everything, including injury, um, Mm -hmm. I don't think he'll be able to say no, plus a signing bonus. I think that makes, puts the numbers to the point where he would be, he would be an idiot to say no. And but, if he says no to that, it means he really hates them. Right, which, which may be the case. I mean, who knows what's happening in Ashburn. Uh, we do know that there was like a really ugly episode that just this offseason with Scott McLuhan. Uh, so I, I would, I, I mean, it's a great situation on the field for him, you know, like at the offense that is kind of built around him with the line being, uh, you know, already good and, uh, intact and probably getting better. And most of them are locked up for the years to come. You've got good players at skill positions. You've got a coach that you had relationship and, and a good relationship and success with all on field stuff is good, but the front office stuff is, is kind of a shit show. Let me, let me just stop there though to talk about the Derek Carr contract or at least at least state the numbers. Derek Carr got 125 million dollars over 5 years with o- Oakland slash Las Vegas. Uh, this is something I don't understand, but I I'm hoping that you do. The deal was 70 million dollars guaranteed, but only 40 million guaranteed at signing. Like what what is the is the seventy million dollars guaranteed? Is that truly guaranteed? If it's not guaranteed at signing, like what's the the delineation there? You know, I don't know. I wish mm-hmm. I could answer this better. This is a professional professional podcast guest one hundred and one. No, I, I don't know. It could either be that it is guaranteed not against injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that it is just guaranteed down the line, but not at signing. Um, I, I honestly don't. That know the right answer. there is a guaranteed piece of shit. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it sounds like it's like guaranteed with like air quotes. You know, like guaranteed at signing is like that's that's the money you're gonna get for sure, no matter what. And then like the rest of it, maybe. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. But okay, so uh, Mike Jones in the post, just to throw some more numbers out here and kind of also get to. The, the your contract that you that you referenced a moment ago uh but first mike jones in the post said this is what he thinks is going to be needed to get it done uh 58 million in guaranteed money at signing which is mm-hmm. agreed th- this year's franchise salary of 24 million plus next year's of 34 million so 58 million guaranteed at signing and around 75 to 80 million in total guaranteed so maybe an additional 20 million in guaranteed money uh, an average annual salary of twenty-five to twenty-seven million. So over five years, that would put Cousins at 
about in that 125 to 135 range, uh, slightly bigger than Carr's deal would be the biggest quarterback contract of all time, but not like crazy out of step. Um, how does that compare to what you think will, will be needed to get it done? It's actually pretty close. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I will, um, uh, the, the way I'm looking at it, and this is to- there's totally imaginary numbers that don't include any of the complicated bonus structure. This is just basically, I, I took what I thought the numbers needed to be and I made them happen on a five-year mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, the way I look at it is uh, it's five years. It's a total, um, it totals out at $161 million over five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got $47 million guaranteed right off the bat in first-year contract and signing bonus. And then I think you're going to have to guarantee the 2018-2019 salaries, which winds up being total guarantees the way I have it worked Mm -hmm. out as about, give or take, $100 million guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Um, You could drop it down to $75 million-ish guaranteed if you don't guarantee 2019. But I I think they're going to have to make a crazy good offer to keep him. But I think an offer like this makes a lot more sense than franchising him next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's a a, a crazy amount of money and I I couldn't necessarily see him turning it down. I mean, it's not crazy. I feel like if he would hit the market next, next year and was on the open market, he'd be looking at something in that range of like $30 million annual um, with tons of guaranteed money and would, would really blow out the kind of, QB pay scale uh, versus what we're talking about now, where it's just him negotiating with the Redskins. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I hope they get it done. I want him to be on, on, on the team. I just don't see why, unless they come out with something crazy, something that's really out of step with what Carr just got. I, I don't see why he wouldn't just play it out. I mean, he seems like a fixture you know, he's going to have like 4,000 plus yards. He's going to have like 25 ish touchdowns. The Redskins are probably going to be in that 500 range, maybe competing for a playoff spot. If they're not, it's probably because uh, other things fell apart, not necessarily cousins. Um, There's plenty more to fall apart. Right, right. And, you know, he would still be worth, if all that happened, he would still be worth, you know, something like what Carr got on the open market. I would think. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. But um, I think the only reason you would sign a deal now is if you know that you want to be a Redskin for the next four or five years. And I don't see why that would be the case. I think you consider signing it. uh, I think you have to worry about injury. I think you especially Uh you have to worry about the Teddy Bridgewater thing. Uh, would just terrify me. The idea of yeah. suffering a non-contact injury in an off-season practice um, where, uh, you know, there was nothing you could do to control it. And it totally ruined the guy's, likely his mm-hmm. career. I mean, any plans he thought he had for two years down the line or three years down the line are shot. Let me say a flip side incentive for the Redskins to make a really good offer is, did you see uh, Sally Jenkins's column yesterday by any chance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the idea of her column, just in case somebody didn't, was that, as I read it, was that Kirk basically has a moral obligation not to sign, to test the market, to really, you know, bring NFL free agency to where it should be and be fair to the players. The converse to that that I see is that 
the Redskins ownership, not generally very highly regarded, has the opportunity to structure a contract that establishes them as a player-friendly organization, right. as a forward-thinking organization, and you know, as a place that players should want to be. They could do that. Uh, history would say that hoping for Redskins ownership to do something really uh, forward-thinking may not be the best plan, but they could do it. Well, two things. One is I th- the notion that Cousins has any sort of moral obligation to hit the open market next year for the, for other players is bullshit. Like, I just don't see that as, as a motivating factor, or maybe I just still have the bitter taste of, of this happening with Ian Desmond in my mouth. <laughs> like Ian Desmond had a th- nearly a hundred million dollar offer from, from the nationals. Uh, but it would have been like a hometown discount before he hit the market. And, you know, he, he, I think reportedly even said like that, that was part of his motivation was, you know, I don't want to take this deal and then kind of screw the next shortstop down the line by having, you know, having me be at a lower rate or discounted rate. And then, you know, things went South for him. And I think his contract when he hit free agency, the one that he got with the Rangers was like $75 million smaller. Um, but anyway, that's, that's, that's the one thing. Um, the other thing, I totally forgot. <laughs> there was, there was a I was rambling. I yeah. was rambling about the Redskins front office uh, making themselves look good. Oh, oh, that was the, that was the other thing. I mean, I think they're already pretty well regarded as player friendly and like giving out a lot of money to free mm-hmm. agents. Like, don't they already have that reputation? Like, if you want to get paid, talk to the Redskins. Sure, you're you're not wrong, but uh, I think it's first of all uh, become less so since they got smarter and you know the McLuhan era and the mm-hmm. more recent decisions. And guaranteed contracts are something that the NFL has really, it seems to me, struggled to avoid. So yeah. structuring a heavily guaranteed contract would make the, would even further cement that impression. But let me ask you this: You talked about Ian Desmond. Do you think the Otto Porter decision uh, with the Wizards plays any effect on how the Redskins front office? thinks about this situation no but i love that i think you mentioned this on twitter maybe that like auto the auto porter contract is to the nba what kirk cousins is to the nfl yeah <laughs> or like maybe just the uh, wizards could... yeah yeah um it's great i mean the thing with the thing with porter though i think it's so much more cut and dry like if you really spend some time looking at that situation, like you need to, you need to match the the max offer sheet that that Brooklyn has has extended to him. Um, you know, whereas with Cousins, like you could you we you know we could go back and forth all day about you know we go back and forth all off season about whether or not that makes sense to give him the biggest contract of all time. Two straight off seasons, we could do it for possibly three. If yes, keep stretching yeah. out. I could, yeah, I could keep going into the rest of the decade, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we may, we may well have to. My column that I wrote about this last year, right about this time, was like, please God, just sign to a long term deal so we don't have to do this again next year. And now here we are talking about it again, exactly a year later. Um, all right, so this needs to get done by July seventeenth. What is the percentage chance that that you would give? give it to getting done. I think it's going to get done. I think they have to get it done. I think they will look uh, really bad if they don't get it done. Uh, and I think they are really, really self-conscious about that now more so than usual. Um, so essentially, I think eventually they're just going to have to throw out a set of numbers that gets it done. I put it, 
ah, at 85%. And I know that's so much higher than anybody else out there right now, but I just, I don't see how they cannot get it done. Uh, 85%. Well, Jason Lock and Fora put it out there at about 80%, I think. I know this because before we got on, I Googled, like, what are the odds? You know, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find I couldn't find actual odds, but he did he did a piece like a month ago that put it at eighty percent. Uh, I think it was eighty. I hope that's right. Uh, I want Cousins to be our quarterback. Um, I'm going like twenty five percent. All the reasons I said before, I I would be surprised if it got done. So I'm just throwing twenty five out there, but certainly less than fifty. Um, well. But it's interesting, one other thing that you said is, you know, you want him to be our quarterback. The one other thing that's a factor in this is that they may not. I mean, they may legitimately, honest to God, believe that, uh, you know, McCoy or Sudfeld or or whoever they think the next guy up is could give you 80% of the production at 10% of the money. And maybe they don't even want him at all. That, That is a possibility. That is that is like if that's the case. I mean, I know that's not you saying that that no, 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 eighty percent yeah. of cousins from McCoy. And actually, you know what? Maybe you could get 80%. eighty percent. I mean, that that that's a big difference. Only being like you know the eighty percent version of cousins. That's like like going from an eight or nine, maybe ten win team to like a four or five or six win team. You know, if you have a quarterback who's going from a quarterback who's like somewhat above average to a quarterback who's somewhat below average when the rest of your team doesn't have a whole lot of margin for error. I mean, that's a, that's a season killer. That's a franchise killer. I sure. Yeah. I, mean, I just think that notion that it's kind of absurd to say, you know what, we're good with Colt McCoy. Well, I mean, but don't forget, this is an organization that did exactly that when they hired Jim Zorn that did, I mean, hell, <laughs> they did exactly that when they hired their blogger. They, they, they said, we can get 80% of a, of a Jamie Montgomery, I mean, this random dude that literally no one on earth has ever heard of. And, uh, oh, that's it, great. It, they, you know, it, it didn't work out so good for anybody involved. So the, maybe that the is Colt, the way they the think. Colt McCoy of Redskins blogging circa 2007 or whatever. <laughs> I, that's probably the kindest thing you could say about me. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so our listeners, they can read you each week in the city paper. Uh, and print it on not every week these days. It's 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 sp- more sporadic these days. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Turl. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, why is this more sporadic? Is it just because it's the dog days of summer? What's going on? We need the week. We need the weekly Turl. Uh, yeah, I uh, a variety of reasons. There was a an editor change, and we were trying to find the voice for the piece. I mean, I, the, you talk about I talk about being you know the Colt McCoy of the Redskins blogging. I city paper sports writing to me will always and forever be uh, Dave McKenna. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have yet to write a single column that I would put at 60% of Dave McKenna, let alone 80, uh, probably not even 50%. Um, I, it's not my primary gig. I have a full-time day job mm-hmm. um, that obviously has to take more of my focus. So I, I keep trying to do, I'd rather do better columns less frequently than every week churn out yet another uh Man, DC sports sure is sure is awful out there, isn't it? Although, that is exactly what I put out. <laughs> that's interesting so. that you put. That's interesting you took McKenna's spot. Like he's he's one of the like DC sports media like legends slash enigmas, like an enigmatic figure to me. You know, he's writing at the Post. He had that like I don't know, like war with the Redskins and with Daniel Snyder. Uh, not not at the Post, at the City Paper. Um, is now at Deadspin and has been at Deadspin. I think he's still there. I don't know. I mean, he's like kind of a shadowy figure. Doesn't have any sort of like social media or online presence. I've corresponded with him plenty of times. Never met him in person. Not sure that 
he he might just be like an alter ego of Dan Steinberg or something like that. I'm not sure. I actually I, I met him once in person, uh, and it was uh, totally surreal. I was like, oh my god, you have a face and arms and, and, and like a head and everything. That's amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's bizarre. And what I find bizarre about his work at Deadspin is, uh, like you said, he shows up once every few months and drops, you know, usually a 10,000-word, uh, yeah, awesome. you know, yeah. researched awesome piece but yeah. then gets, like, no traction because, I guess, because he doesn't have social media or whatever. But, like, it's very rare that McKenna's pieces get the attention that I think they deserve. Mm -hmm. uh, so, anyway, so he's still out there doing it. I'm here. I get 750 words to be like, hey, uh, you know, here's what I, I think. And... Uh, it was just, it made more sense to split it up a bit than to force it out every week. Well, maybe one day you'll be the Nate Sudfeld of enigmatic XD sports <laughs> media figures. Uh, the, doing a podcast like this is not going to help me, you know, lower my Q rating. You're killing her. All right. Well, uh, dear listeners, if you made it this far, uh, you. thank you. Serious. Yeah. Email me just for confirmation. So I, I know that we actually had people that made it this far. Uh, yeah. Send in the code phrase toothpaste. <laughs> right. Right. Coupon code me <laughs> Um, and follow Matt at Matt Turrell. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. We'd love to have you back. And, uh, no matter what occurs with cousins in the, in the long-term deal situation, I think we should all just count our lucky stars that we have a quarterback who's good enough for us to, uh, actually give a shit. <laughs>